Princess Rise for their Majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals. Stand by! Three cheers for Her Majesty the Queen! Welcome back to Royally Obsessed. I'm Caitlin Menza. And I'm Lisa Ryan. And it's time for your weekly update on the royal news you need to know. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Subscribe to the podcast if you wouldn't mind doing that and if you know how. It took me a really long time to know how. And leave us the royal rate. Listen. Caitlin. It's, that's real. Um, I still don't know when I've subscribed when I've downloaded things. You hit the subscribe button. I... Well, listen and leave us i'm the, proud of you for learning thank you and leave us the real rating of a five-star review you can send us an email at info at gallerypodcast.com and maybe tell me how to live my life and do basic things on an iphone <laughs> um, <laughs> and this week we are discussing this with little peek we got of the SmartWorks partnership it's a super sneak peek yeah and then yet more plain drama which like i hope this is the last week we ever have to talk about this because i'm so sick of it i know really. right and then we are joined by special guest dana schwartz who is a writer and the host of the new podcast noble blood which gets all into royal history and she's here to give us a history lesson yes loving that um before we get rolling we have a royal refreshment which is and now it's time for the weekly royal cocktail gin and tonics i don't want to be that person who's like summer's over we have to hold on to summer because i'm not going back to school summer is forever (laughs) summer is a state of mind endless summer plus it's like global warming it's summer until mid-october now i mean honestly not to be dark it, but like that summer's is not dark, over yeah. this week, you know, it's a state of mind. Whatever, it's fine. It's the last week before Labor Day, so it's like the last symbolic week. Yeah, some of you summer. might back to be might be back to school already, but not me. <laughs> Just saying. You're old. I'm old. <laughs> uh, we have a listener email uh, from Amanda. Would you like to take this one? Yes, I love it. The subject is like the way to get me to notice an email. <laughs> the subject is a royal wedding and flea bag crossover. Oh my god! Truly, I want to go back and see if we've mentioned flea bag every episode this summer because I think yes, I think so. <laughs> I mean, I think about it every day. I don't know. I'm obsessed. And also, we just found out that Phoebe Waller Bridge is going to host, host SNL <laughs> in October with so Taylor much to, Swift. So much to live for. I'm so happy. Oh my gosh. Okay, so the email reads. Last month I got married and throughout the whole wedding, sorry, the whole planning process. No, congratulations, Amanda. Yes, congrats. (laughs) Congrats, Amanda. Um, Through the whole wedding process, I had my two favorite ladies on my mind. I tried to incorporate as much of Kate and Megan into every detail while still keeping true to myself. My ring is three stones like Megan, but two sapphires as an homage to Kate. Love. My dress had the shape and sleeves of Kate's, but the clean look of Megan's. I really want to see. Me too. Um, everyone that knows me knew what to ex- knew to expect royal nods, but what they didn't expect was when our friend went up to the altar for a reading and very dramatically proclaimed, Love is awful! And proceeded to recite the priest's speech from the finale of season two of Fleabag. Oh my god. It ended up coming full circle and everyone said it was one of the best wedding readings they had heard because of how raw and honest it was. Although I thought as my two fellow Roro and Fleabag obsessed fans, you would appreciate my very royal Fleabag wedding. And I said although, but it meant I meant anyways. I was going to say, I'm like, what ha- where did you go? Just I now? don't know... Uh- where did I go? Are you quoting <laughs> Fleabag? My brain is in Fleabag territory. That's why I did such a horrible job reading yeah, this thing freaking... that was beautifully written by Amanda. I just, I think you lost it because you couldn't dream of anything better. Well, because then I had to start going through the speech in my head, but I'm also trying to read. And it's so tough. my brain was just not 
working with my mouth. It was, it was quite all right. It was uh, difficult. It's, it's mind-blowing. This wedding sounds freaking awesome. I would like to see photos. I don't know if you attached photos and we just didn't get them because we're looking at a printout or what, but I want some photos. I'm tracking down this email. We're getting photos, mm-hmm. okay? So, like, stay tuned for this one. Also, I would never have thought to do that as a reading, but that's such a great reading because it's written by one of the great writers of our time, Phoebe <laughs> Waller-Bridge, and it was so beautiful and so true about love and I love this. this. I love is, this. This is fantastic. I it just needs an Olivia Coleman reference to really like get this all together. Yeah, I just I also love weird wedding readings. Like I like when people go outside the box, you know, mm-hmm. just appreciate that stuff. Um, OK, so thank you so much, Amanda. I love that. And again, I'm going to get images of your dress if it's the last thing I do. Um, then we have this week in royal history. And now this week in royal history. Obviously, it's tough to think about the last week of August and not think about the death of Princess Diana. So, of course, that's our week in real history. August 31st, 1997 um, was the the tragic car crash that took Princess Diana. And it's so awful. Um, we're going to keep this really brief because we have an actual history expert coming on in a little bit to talk about real history um, way deep back in actual time when we weren't alive. Yes. But, of course, this is just so awful. And last week we talked about... Um, uh, the last few weeks of Diana's life, and it sounded that at the very least she was having a nice summer. So yeah. at least she got a little bit of. And it's hard to even have an at least. It's just so awful. Yeah, the whole thing is awful. Um, yeah, so it's been 22 years, which is insane. Feels insane to me. That's so long. Ago. I know. Um, so yeah, so it has been 22 years. We are thinking of her. We toast our G and T's to her, as we always said. This time last year, we had her. Bellinis because that was her peach Bellinis because that was her drink. Oh yeah, I know we have to do that next, maybe in the next two weeks. Um, I would love to do that. So thinking of her, um, and now we are moving on to we got a little Meghan Markle peak, a little. So it was um, in the midst of all the plain drama that was playing out in the tabloids, but seemed to not be actual real drama. And in the midst of so many people speaking out in support of Meghan and Harry, we. Suddenly on Sussex Royal Instagram account got a little sneak peek video that was like the perfect antidote to everything that was happening. Yeah, it's good for you to put it in context like that because I feel like it had been like day after day of just like very – uh, malarkey in your term, um, just headlines of like, ah, airplanes, ah. again, not diminishing the very important conversations we should have around climate change, but this was just like Megan popping back up to be like, just a reminder, I do charity work. You know, that's sort of how it felt to me. And so we got to see on, there was no, I don't believe there was a, a regular post on their Instagram. It was just on their stories, which means that I was organically just going through my stories and then Megan Markle's face appeared. And I was like, ah, and I said to Talisa, like, oh, my God, they're doing stuff. Um, so what we saw was um, Megan looking really casual and like a big button down in black pants. And she was at a photo shoot um, that will accompany the partnership between SmartWorks and some, you know, British department stores. It'll be a women's line of like work clothes. And it's a one for one deal where every time you buy an item, another one goes to the SmartWorks line, which dresses women um, and gets them back on track to work. And so... What I believe what we were watching in those videos was models showing up one by one for the shoot. And then, surprise, Meghan Markle is there. And it looked like the models were real women, too. Yes, yes. So it's really beautiful. Meghan looks adorable. I mean, there's nobody, even if, you know, obviously we are fans of hers and we, like, fawn over her every yes, week. Yes, and people sometimes like to <laughs> criticize us. You know, that. but, like, how could you not? That's what I mean, I guess, is that how could you watch those videos and not, like, 
think she looked adorable. She or was, be charmed. Or be charmed by her because she looked really pretty and <laughs> on a shallow level. And she was greeting these women and making them so happy while doing charity work. It's just wonderful. So, you know, they had a little Instagram accompaniment with the song Lovely Day by Bill Withers, which no big deal, was my most played Spotify song of 2017. You know how Spotify tells you that? Really? I love listening to Lovely Day first thing in the morning. 2017, what was mine? Probably a sad song from Les Mis. <laughs> Probably Evergreen. on my own. Or Evergreen. Some, it, not for any particular reason. I just really like Les Mis. Maybe you're also motivated to like storm things. <laughs> Whatever motivates you in the morning, right? Um, yeah. So it was just super cute. And she was surprising all these women. And also, we don't know what's going to be in the... Co- we still don't know what's going to be in the collection beyond worky kind of clothes for women. And we don't know when it will be released. And we don't know if it'll be available in the U.S. So this is the most we've seen of it so far. And so we saw some of the models wearing the clothes. And we saw a shift dress um, and some blazers. Yeah, and people thought that a tote bag that was in it that kind of looked like the Everlane tote was maybe a tote from the collection, but also maybe she was wearing just an Everlane tote. Like, who yeah. knows? Yeah, we just don't know yet, but it was our just our first little look at the things. Um, and it was just like a nice moment. It's also, it made me remember that, of course, we have seen Megan since she had Archie in May, but it was just, I was like, oh my God, she's not pregnant anymore, which like, that still blows my mind when I see her. <laughs> I'm like, oh, right, the baby's not there. Uh, but yeah, I think I'm just like, oh, there, there she is. And it was just so nice to see her. And I also love when she's wearing casual clothes. I mean, I like her in all different types of clothes. I like full princess, full mm-hmm. cape, as we've discussed, but I just loved seeing her like chilling. Um, so just like a nice little peek. Um, I love how she like giggles and looks at the camera. It was just adorable. Yes, and then um, now we have some Prince George updates before we go into the next plane drama. Yeah, so... uh, This um, was really... This is truly a ridiculous thing. This is, like, something that I'm like, how could an adult say this in public? Yeah, so... what? So People Magazine did a bit about... um, Did a story on Prince George's curriculum at his school this fall. And so Lara Spencer discussed it on... Good Morning America. And it's supposed to be like a really lighthearted little segment. Like she's running through. There's a name that they do for that segment, like Pop Watch or something, where she just runs through a bunch of celebrity headlines quickly. And so she like very flippantly is like, isn't it so funny that he's taking religious studies and all these things that sound like they're college classes, right? Um, And uh, indeed, his curriculum for the fall sounds really serious, but it is a really serious, heavy school. And he is the future king of England. So maybe it's not so bad that he's learning serious things at Mm -hmm. age six. Um, But then she's running through and she's like, and he's taking ballet. Ballet. Like I I saw the headlines and the controversy and I didn't want to watch the clip. But I'm kind of glad I did because it is as bad as you would think. Yes. Like I thought people were overblowing it, I guess, because I was like, oh, she like mocked it. Like I didn't want to watch it. I just was like, I don't need to watch someone mock a six-year-old. But I'm kind of glad I did because it is as bad as you think. Um, She says it like really, I don't think she sets out obviously to be nasty. I think she just was being silly. Like I guess I should say, I don't think she did it to be malicious, obviously, against a six-year-old, but she's so dismissive and she's like ballet and the audience laughs. And then she's like, Actually, Prince William says that he really likes ballet. And she's like, she like rolls her eyes and she's like, we'll see how long that lasts. Like, hate to tell you this, William, but we'll see how long that lasts. And it just, to me, was such a throwback. Like, I feel like even 10 years ago or five years ago, you could say something like that. That's sort of like really gender normative, like boys don't like ballet thing and nothing would have come of it. And we would have just continued to pace thinking that boys can't 
dance. Um, but instead, there was an immediate backlash, and she's had to apologize like four times, including on air and on her Instagram. And not that I think that we should attack people for when they make a mistake. I'm glad she apologized, but I think it just shows how much how far we've really come with. I don't know, the gender binary, not to be too heavy, but the fact that everybody freaked out to me shows some sort of progress. Yeah, that shows progress. Like her comments were regressive, but that was the backlash showed that we don't accept that kind of talk anymore. Mm -hmm. And they're really like, wow, backlash, including people who are dancers in the show Share on Broadway protested outside the GMA offices. And she's, Lara has had a bunch of conversations with people in the dance community. And yeah, she just keeps apologizing and all because George wants to dance ballet. Let the or boy like dance. It's his curriculum. It's his curriculum. Yeah. It's not even like he chose this. I mean, maybe he did. And again, maybe he loves it. I hope he loves it. I hope he loves it. I hope he has like all the joy in his heart. Billy Elliot was British. Hello. Like, <laughs> we appreciate dancing boys. So it just, wow. I don't know. It's really, it was annoying that she said it and treated it that way. I'm glad that people wouldn't stand for it. Mm-hmm. And I'm Me glad too. that Prince George has taken ballet lessons. Me Still. too. Keep going. I think you said all that very well. Thank you. Sorry. I'm that just, was just <laughs> I'm just looking at you like I'm the thinker with my hand like this. I'm like nodding like good job. I'm sorry. Good job, I, did, I didn't give you any windows to jump into that. That was just like a that just stormed out of me. Well, I really blew it with the listener email earlier, so I think it's for the best if you're leading this. It just stormed out of me. Um one other like annoying thing before we can start chatting with Dana, but we have somehow somehow we have like chapter nine of private plane drama. And as we said earlier, we still think there's conversations to be had around climate change and travel. Yes. So so that is where we stand on. Yes. The, but be green. This is, be safe. Be green. Don't protect take... this environment. Yeah. Donate to the Amazon. Like save save that. Save what we can. But we still think that all this drama is just like made in the tabloids it's all kind of ridiculous at the moment because if we're really so worried about the environment why aren't the fires getting the same attention as Meghan Markle taking Elton John's private jet and then paying like having Elton pay to have the carbon emissions offset so the since we discussed this last week the latest chapter was like two days later um, Meghan or sorry the Cambridges including their kids were photographed getting on a budget Getting flight. off one. Getting, sorry, getting off a budget flight from Scotland. And so people were like, wow, like here they are taking, you know, a $70 flight or something. It was something under $100. It was 89 US. It was 70 okay. something pounds. Okay. And so it seemed like, again, just I'm going to say this, like depending on how you choose to look at the drama amongst this family, you might think, oh, the Cambridge did this on purpose. Or you might just think, oh, that's interesting timing. Or I don't know, how charitable do you want to be with this news story mm-hmm. i don't know but then so th- there was all these all this attention around that and then it turns out that according to tabloids the the plane that the cambridges flew may have actually flown empty all the way to pick them up in order to fly them on the private on the budget airline, airline <laughs> because apparently the people who run the company may or like they this is all like according to reports. Apparently they were like told that, you know, Prince William is going to be on it. And they wanted to make sure that they had like the specific branding that they were looking for. Because um, they knew this would be photographed. Yeah. According to the reports. So then they flew that over. So it's not that the Cambridges knew that they flew an empty plane over to take them. So it, no one's like pinning that part on the 
Cambridge's, right. but it's just kind of like ridiculous. It's like, oh my God, so much freaking plain crap happening just, right now. Just so, so dumb. And so like, even if there were sort of like machinations behind the scenes of PR geniuses trying to pit these two against each other or like people on their team, like I, obviously we can't know that, like why these choices were made, but if... <laughs> If anybody was trying to make these headlines, they wouldn't because they're so stupid. Like, it's almost too dumb to try to analyze, like, who did what and why. Because at the end of the day, like, I just think the audience, including us especially, are so sick of this. They're like, I never want to hear about these two princes on planes ever again. Yeah. You know, so just end it. I hope this is the final chapter. Like, yikes, you know. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. So shall we talk to Dana? Yes. Call her up. <laughs> Dana, we've been loving your show. We've learned so much. It's yes. like a very, very fun history lesson. So can you tell our listeners a bit about the show and how it came to be? Absolutely. So the show is a history podcast, but I sort of call it like a history storytelling podcast because instead of, you know, delivering it sort of like a lecture or like focusing on a person birth to death, I try to find like one story that excites me about the person's life, like one conflict or period that I really feel like had an interesting like tension or arc. And then I write it. I mean, I come from a fiction like novel background. So I write the episodes so you can sort of see them like I write them novelistically. So that's the show. And each episode is about half an hour. And I do it every two weeks because it takes a lot of work and it's not my full time job. Right. <laughs> we know how that goes. <laughs> so how it came to be was like, it's the weirdest like podcast fairy tale in the entire world. I tweeted. I'm obsessed with history. Like it's just, if I could show you like my bookshelf is all just biographies of, of people much wealthier than me. Um, <laughs> I tweeted like, how do I do a history podcast where I just get to rant about insane stories from about nobles from history? And just I sort of like put that in the air. And my friend Aaron Mankey, who's an amazing podcaster who created Lore and Cabinet of Curiosities and Unobscured, uh, saw that tweet and I was like, hmm, send me a pitch. And I amazing. Wow, wrote up like a big formal pitch, probably much sooner than he thought. And uh, he liked it and sent it to his higher ups. And Aaron and I have worked together and turned noble blood into a real thing it took only about like three name changes and copyright checks <laughs> and six months and then it became a real thing amazing it's so a that's, true twitter pod fairy tale i love that so much so insane and whenever people ask i like i wish i had a more intrepid story like i had to go knocking on doors of some like podcast boss um <laughs> no this is even better it's like the essence of the secret yeah you know? You put it out into the universe, and so it happened. Can you tell us some of the people you've covered so far and potentially maybe tease who's coming up? Oh, definitely. I'm, I'm big on spoilers. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, the first episode is Marie Antoinette because it was kind of – I don't want to say important to me to, like, focus on a figure that people knew about, but I thought it would be really interesting to take a figure that people are familiar with and fascinated with and – try to find an aspect of her life or a story that maybe people were less familiar with. So the first episode is Marie Antoinette, but instead of, you know, her at Versailles with the hairdos and the money, it's her, uh, the last few months of her life when she was in prison waiting her kangaroo court trial. 
um, which mm-hmm. is just sort of this fascinating story for me. It's gruesome because uh, the entire French Revolution was gruesome, but she struck up this weird um, like tete-a-tete friendship with her female prison guard. Uh, and then I cover Charles II and his escape after he lost horribly to Oliver Cromwell's army and had to go on the run for his life. So most people think of Charles as like, you know, the merry monarch, like with the big wig and the fleet of dogs. But I focused on these these six weeks in his life when he was, you know, running and pretending to be, ah! (laughs) (laughs) Mom calling me. That's what always happens. (laughs) So sorry. No, it's okay. I'm going to want to keep that in for sure. (laughs) So... Uh, I think my impulse right away was to focus on European monarchs because I knew the most about them. And so that was maybe a, I don't want to say lazy impulse, but a, a one that was helping mm-hmm. me do the research. Um, but next week's episode, spoiler alert, is about Queen Liliu Kalani of Hawaii, who was the Ooh, last wow. Hawaiian queen, uh, who, spoiler alert, was uh, overthrown by white sugar plantation owners. If America annexed Hawaii, then they could... Uh, have sort of favorable tariff rates on sugar. So that's a a really fascinating story that I knew almost nothing about, even though I went to high school in America. They just sort of skip over that that part. It was was really exciting for me just as a pure research level that I got to dig deeper into these figures that I thought I knew a lot about and then learn about figures that I didn't know anything about. Like, ooh, this one is far in advance, so but other spoiler alert. See, I'm horrible at this because I just no, love talking about it. I mean, <laughs> we love it. Tell us everything. <laughs> I do this episode on Ernest, the Duke of Cumberland, who was Queen Victoria's uncle. And he was involved in this really scandalous, still unsolved murder mystery because the thing is, like, you can't solve a murder mystery that is, is 200 years old, where basically like, he was attacked in the middle of the night and then his valet had his throat slit. And they were like, oh, it was a suicide. But the details of the suicide are super screwed up. It, like, his throat was slit so much. Like, it was, like, they say in the details. And this is, like, the gruesome details. They're like, the, the only thing that stopped the blade was the spinal column. <gasps> Ooh. I just oh, my chill. gosh. I know. So it wasn't, I mean, it was a suicide is what they say. Uh but I dig into that. Because uh, the best thing about this podcast is I get to selfishly just dig into the the gross and fascinating things that I want to learn more about. Of course. So, you know, you mentioned starting with Marie Antoinette, and she is so interesting. So what do you think are some of the common misconceptions about her that you wanted to explore? Oh, the biggie, obviously, is like, let them eat cake. Like, she Mm -hmm. never said that. It was propaganda. It's amazing that propaganda still is effective. I think the biggest misconception about her is that she did something super wrong, where sort of historically, I mean, she was out of touch, sure, but there wasn't really much more expected of her at the time. I mean, she wasn't in charge of policy or making anything. uh, Like, it wasn't her job to to do taxation. That was the king's job. She was the queen, and she was raised to be that for her entire life. She married into France when she was 16 and didn't have a formal education. And so I think she sort of has become conflated with this, you know— horrible, out-of-touch aristocrat, which she was, sure. But to be honest, I think any of us in our position, in her position, would not have done any better. Yeah. That's Certainly not point. me. I would have been drinking all of the champagne as well. Yeah. Is there construction going I on? I think there is, yeah. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's fine. Yeah, it, sh- it should be okay. It should be okay. 
Um, are there any episodes of the show so far that you wish were movies or that could become a Netflix miniseries? Oh, my God. I'm obsessed with the most recent episode I did on Tuesday, which was the relationship between King George V and his first cousin, Nicholas II of Russia. The Tsar yes. Nicholas, the... the mm-hmm. This is a podcast, but... Romanov. Uh, the Romanov, yeah. Um, I... They were first cousins. They looked almost identical. You Google a picture of them, it's eerie. And there was a point when things were turning sour for the Romanovs that the Russian envoy asked uh, England if they could have asylum. They were like, hey, things are getting really crazy here. Bolsheviks are coming. Can you... Uh, can they come stay in England? But things were kind of um, up in the air when it came to the English monarchy at the time. Like it was post-World War One, things were down. Um, socialism was kind of on the rise. The monarchy was very unpopular and it would have been a super unpopular move to bring these really despised autocrats and everyone would have known it was George because they were a family. Um, and so he made the kind of, painful but correct probably decision to say uh first he said yes and then later that day he's like no can we please say no uh and he said they couldn't come uh and in his defense he didn't know that they would slaughter the children and the whole family like no one thought that that would happen everyone was like probably nicholas maybe queen alexandra definitely not the children because that never happens uh but yeah it's sort of this weird I, they have a fascinating relationship and the way they wrote, he wrote, King George wrote in his diary, we have his diaries from the time. And the way he talks about his, his dear cousin, Nikki, and Nikki called him Georgie. And it's just, it's twisted and fascinating. And I think everything we love about monarchy is when these family dramas become global politics. Who would you cast as the cousins? Ooh, oh, that's such a good (laughs) question. So here's the thing. You need them young first because you, uh, we see them like growing up together. And I want to be like a Timothy Chalamet, but he's too young. Who are people that look kind of alike? Is it so weird? I mean, you just said not young, but is it so weird that when you said that they look basically alike that I was like the Sprouse twins? I just yeah. want the Sprouse twins to be in more things. <laughs> um, I literally just, I'm Googling doppelganger celebrities. <laughs> um, that said, I don't hate the idea of... Tim- Timothy Chalamet, I would be happy with in almost every role. But if you start a movie with him now, it'll probably take like a few years. So maybe by the time it comes out, he will be old enough to play the young version of that. Do you know who yes. it would be? Do you know how in American Horror Story, there's all those brunette actors, like all those handsome brunette actors who look exactly alike? Yes. In like American <laughs> Horror Story, like the ones that, uh, that, so it would be like, it would be Matt Bomer and Wesley, um, the one from Hunger Games. Do you know who I'm talking about? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay, so just extremely handsome men. Just yeah. like very handsome, bearded, brunette men. Like very distinguished. Chiseled jaw. Chiseled jaw, blue eyes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To bring it back to the modern British royals, when you, knowing what you know now and looking back the way you do, how do you think the most recent couple of decades will play out for posterity in the in the bigger picture? Like, do you think that the drama with Meghan Markle or or even honestly the Diana and Charles drama will be something that will be remembered for centuries to come? Um, definitely the Diana drama because that like the things that I'm looking back on, which is the the things that. I mean, fascinate me centuries later are doomed royals, which I think right. everyone has this sort of um, 
macabre fascination with. I think because it's like the doomed princess is like, they're so beautiful and they're so rich and wealthy, but they're so unhappy. It's like Britney's, it's lucky by Britney Spears. It's the reason we love <laughs> right, that song right, so much. Right, right. So I do think yeah. like we go back and we love the doomed queens and we love the the sad royals. And so I think like Diana has that. And I think Meghan Markle is going to be good for the monarchy, like to survive because she is fresh and young and interesting and people like her. Um, but I don't, I mean, she's going to be remembered because she's the first person of color in the royal family, which is incredible. But I, I don't think it's like, that wouldn't be a story that I did for my podcast because it's more of a rom-com than a, <laughs> yeah. than a doomed bloody story of betrayal and intrigue. Yes. Okay. Very true. interesting. So what episode was the most fun to record thus far? Ooh, the the new one that's going to come out soon about uh, Ernest, uh, Duke of Cumberland and the murder mystery was really fun because I got to put on my Sherlock Holmes hat because I got to uh, because it's still like unsolved. Right. Like there's points on both sides and no one actually knows the answer. And the deeper you dig, the more. You know, people either say it's 100% solved, it was a suicide, or the more people say, well, well, look at this evidence. So that one was really fun just to research and examine because I got to feel like I was writing my own, like, little Agatha Christie. <laughs> you don't have to spoil your um, conclusions, but do you come to a conclusion? Um, I don't. I come, I present the evidence and allow you to come to the conclusion but the truth is, like, we'll never know because if there was something going on behind the scenes, right? Like, people think there were affairs and, like, there was revenge. Like, unless some diary comes out, we're never going to know. Um, but that one was really Tough. fun. That's, that's good. That's awesome. Well, where can our listeners follow you? Uh, follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Dana Schwartz with three Zs because I, uh, Dana Schwartz with one Z was taken. <laughs> and uh, Noble Blood Tales, all the places. And uh, I guess listen on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts, as the kids say. Excellent. <laughs> and what day do new episodes come out? New episodes come out every other Tuesday. So this Tuesday, new episode. Spoiler alert, it's Lily Kalani. <laughs> wow. Okay, awesome. Excellent. I cannot wait to listen to that one. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Dana. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Before we adjourn the Royal Pod, we have some lows and highs. It's time for the Royal Highs and Lows. What's your low? Are you ready with a low? I'm always ready with a low. Actually, sometimes I'm not, but today I'm ready with a low. <laughs> and it's just, um, I really don't like that in the grand scheme of things so much uh, head, like, newspaper space, tabloid space, internet space has been devoted to plane travel when there's like act bigger stories happening and when there's actual like really important climate issues going on. So I just feel like that was a waste of space for all of us. Completely agree. Um, my low is making fun of little boys for taking ballet. Mm -hmm. Pretty much. Pretty <laughs> legitimate lows this week. <laughs> yeah. But really, really good highs too, especially because we're just trying to shoehorn in extra content yeah. with these highs. So what's your high? So my high, other than talking to Dana just now, is going to be, this is the shoehorn, um, Kate <laughs> Middleton was photographed at Balmoral, um, Prince William was also there. But I really like when she wears her kind of casual outfits, when she's always wearing like yeah. a button down underneath a sweater. It's very fall-like and it kind of got me ready for fall weather yes. if it ever 
appears and we don't just go from 90 degrees to like 30 30 yeah um and then she was also photographed sitting next to queen elizabeth and she looked really cute and the queen looked cute so it was all very cute and nice yes yeah she's wearing sort of like a a peacock it's a peacock print dress from michael kors of course now it's sold out um also like i feel like i bring this up every time they're at photographed at balmoral in the in the summer but they're wearing like full hats you know, long sleeves, they look freezing. And I'm like, how freaking cold is it in Balmoral? Why would anybody want a vacation in a cold place in August? Well, as Caroline from Town & Country told us, some people just don't want to go to the warm weather, sunny places. I understand. Um, So my, I I mean, I don't, but I respect it. (laughs) And to each, they're her royal highness own. Um, my high is, well, this headline from the cut, Ahoy Hot Eco Prince. I know, uh, it's so good. <laughs> it's so excellent. So um, you guys might have heard of the teenage climate activist Greta Thunberg. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, we but watched it on YouTube. Yeah, we watched it on YouTube. Um, it, of, of course, to an American English speaker, it's Thunberg, but I think it's Thunberg um, in her accent. So she is currently sailing on a racing yacht across the Atlantic to attend a climate talk in New York, but she didn't want, again, to underline that p- private plane story, she didn't want to take a plane to contribute to fossil fuel emissions. So she uh, is sailing across the Atlantic, which is terrifying, and the boat has no toilet or running water or hot food. Um, so the boat, it turns out, is owned by Grace Kelly's grandson, who is, of course, uh, a Prince of Monaco, and his name is Pierre Casaragi. Um, he happens to be hot. He does. And the cut, it was Bridget Reed, um, the cut outlined it. And yes, he's he's a beautiful man. Yeah, he's just, he got married, I believe, a couple years ago. Great royal wedding. Oof, in Italy, as I recall. Um, and so Bridget notes, uh, Prince things that he does include hang out with his wife, unfortunately, an <laughs> Italian aristocrat and media personality, and they have two children. He runs his, his father's construction empire, and he does some sailboat racing. And he plays a saxophone. Amazing. Um, so he has lent his boat to Greta as she makes, you know, to draw attention to this cause as well. So I love a, a prince from another country that we don't usually chat about who's doing great things for the world. I think, is he on it with her? I think he might be on it I with her. I think he did part of the journey, but not the entire ride across the Atlantic. Ahoy, hot eco prince, indeed. Indeed. Um, so love that. Great week. Um, you can drop us an email at info at gallerypodcast.com to ask us any and all questions about the royals. Uh, we have a review um, here. Would you like to read it? Sure. It is from, oh, I think someone just typed a bunch of yes. letters, and that's their name. Uh, finally, two friends in quotation marks, who love the Royals as much as I do. Great podcast. I look forward to each week. Keep up the great work. We shall. Thank you. You can, you can follow the show on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Where can people follow you, Lisa? Lisa Raya on Twitter and Instagram and lisaraya.com is where my writing portfolio is. <laughs> if people should be so inclined. It's not like new stuff, so it's not like a daily feed. But it's nice to see all the amazing work you've done. And that one time I got a nice headshot from the cut. <laughs> yeah. Um, you can follow me, Caitlin, at HeyKMenz, H-E-Y-K-M-E-N-Z, on Twitter and Instagram, and read my writing at CaitlinMenza.com. And until next week, God save the pod. Need more gin and tonic. <laughs> yeah. Happy end of summer, guys. Her Majesties of Royally Obsessed have retired for this episode. God save the pod. And if you fancy the podcast, give Royally Obsessed the royal rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. 
Royally Obsessed is a Gallery Podcast production.